We are deeply privileged and honored to have Paddy Padmanathan, uh, who is the CEO of Aqua Power uh, in Saudi Arabia. And as I was teasing him earlier on, uh, what a well-kept secret, what an amazing company. And uh, we'll talk, we'll do a deep dive into Aqua Power now. But we're sitting here on the sidelines of the Harvard Business School's Crossroads Summit, and we just had a wonderful animated session on connecting the dots in the GCC and how this can bring about change and transformation in the future. And we are here with an absolute rock star in Paddy. Paddy, welcome. Good to Thank see you. Thank you. Delighted to be here. Delighted yeah. to be with you. Delighted. Thank you for the moderation on the panel. Thank you, Thoroughly sir. Uh, enjoyable. Thank you. Now, we started with the blessing, the blessing from God that we've got so much light and energy coming in Europe, solar and, 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 and water-based company. Uh, and, and one of the facts that I always use, five days of sunshine will give us, captured properly, will give us as much electricity and power that we need to power the world. Uh, with this blessing, you have harnessed that blessing to some extent and started the process. Can you tell us about AquaPower and how you're harnessing this thing? AquaPower power generation and desalinated water focused company to bulk consumers. So utility, um, energy intensive industries, so that's our business. We are 14 years old. Um, we've grown up very fast out of the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Even though we come out of the oil capital, uh, over the last seven, eight years, we have responding to the demand. So it's not, we're not clever. It's the demand is been pushing us towards it. As renewable energy becomes cost competitive, we have been asked to develop more and more and more of it. And we're very proud of the fact that we've also been helping to lead the revolution by reducing that cost and driving that change. We're very much involved in renewable energy for power generation. So we do have oil-fired, gas-fired, um, and coal-fired power assets, but right. more than three quarters of what we do today, new investments that we are making, and that changed over the last five years, is in renewable energy. So. And the renewable energy that we are using, or we are propagating, is not only the photovoltaic panels that everybody is very familiar of, yeah. uh, panels on the top of the roofs and so on, in very large utility scale. So we have assets of that type as well. But also renewable energy, taking the heat of the sun. Right. So the world is still trying to find a battery that is cost competitive, right. drive the cost of the utility scale battery down. That sort of so-called 24-hour battery has actually not been invented yet. Uh, the small car batteries don't sort of do that job. Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, uh, what we have discovered is that we are able to store heat very cost-effectively mm -hmm. in salt, the common salt that you know, uh, in molten form. So salt melting, bubbling at about 400 degrees centigrade. We can put heat into it, take it up to 500 bring it down, take the heat out, in and out very efficiently. So what we are doing, we are collecting the heat during the day, I see. producing steam, running a steam turbine to produce electricity, put heat into the store and bring it back up at night. So we are able to deliver reliable solar energy 24 hours of the day, mm -hmm. now at very cost competitive rates. Uh, in big scale. So we've got big plants in Morocco, in South Africa right. already operating, and we've got another one here in Dubai starting to produce. I mean, you are known as the world champion in, in actually the speed at which you've been able to, yeah, drive, uh, the to drive the costs down. Could you just 
briefly give us exactly how that happened and how you were able to do that and how much further down can you go? Look, uh, from the outset, Aquapower was founded with the principle of reliably delivering electricity and water at the lowest possible cost. So we said to ourselves, look, we are in the business of long-term supply. We get our money back. We've got capital intensive. It's a very capital intensive business. We invest billions of dollars up front and we sell electricity at so many cents per kilowatt hour, collect it back over 20, 25 years. It's a very long time. Credit worthiness of our customer is important. Us being able to reliably continue to deliver power is important, otherwise we don't get the money. Don't confuse credit worthiness with willingness to pay. Right. Completely different things. Mm -hmm. So we said, look, we need to be sure that the tariff at which we sell needs to be relevant, needs to be a cost competitive over a very long period of time as inevitably costs will come down as technology improves, right? So we said from day one, we are, cannot be in the business of market pricing. We cannot be in the business of who is my competitor today and can I win the contract at one cent lower mm -hmm. to beat him? Right. No, we need to be as low as humanly possible so that my tariff be, remains relevant over the long term. Right. So using that philosophy from day one, even in the fossil fuel energy sector that we started out with, oil and gas, fired power, we started to deliver a completely different price level yeah. compared to competitors. Yeah. So typically from day one, everything we have done, and today we have got 45 assets, $38 billion sort of platform of assets yeah. operating in 11 countries. Everything we have done has been competitively tendered. Typically the price difference between our tender and the next has been anything from 5 to 31%. So, 2,000 megawatts, 26% tariff difference, 25-year contract represents a 1 billion US dollar net present value saving to my customer. Mm -hmm. That's the money we left on the table. We're fine, we're making our money. Yeah. So it's all about making sure minimized cost, reasonable return, um, focus on cost, 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 and whatever the tariff is, we sell. And it's amazing when you use that philosophy of not market pricing, but real rigor, mm -hmm. appropriate configuration, yeah. best optimized technology, yeah. reasonable return, what the number comes out at. So using that methodology, we got involved. And when we got into renewable energy, solar, wind, CSP, exactly the same. Yeah. We were shocked at how quickly we were able to bring prices down. So uh, the, most, the one that became so famous for is a number 5.845 uh, cents per kilowatt hour. So in 2005, here in Dubai, we ended up uh, tendering for a 200 megawatt PV plant, which is sort of fairly well scaled. And we, we adopted that same approach, just drive the cost down. We ourselves were very surprised at the level of price that we were able to achieve when we submitted the tender. Because the even though photovoltaic technology was driving costs down fast, because the panel prices were coming down and so on and so forth, technology was bringing it down. At that time, the lowest known tariff was eight cents. When we did the numbers, we found it was 5.845. We said, man, this is too shocking. Yeah. Checked it three times, said, okay, sticking to our principles, we submitted the tender. Sure enough, we were the lowest. We won the job. Everybody said, this is nonsense, this is never going to happen. Well, it turned out, it's built, it's operating, we are making our money, everybody is happy. Yeah. But that 
set the race. Immediately, it changed the mindset yeah. of the region. Yeah. Everybody said, wow, what is this? So it accelerated the adoption of renewable energy in the region. Right. It pushed the industry to challenge themselves and go deeper. Yeah. Today, three years, four years later, that 5.845, the new contracts that we are signing, we've just gone into construction on a plant in Saudi Arabia, 300 megawatts utility scale, 2.34 cents. Yeah. So look at how dramatically we have been able to bring costs down and accelerate the deployment of renewable energy, which is fantastic for two or three very different reasons. Number one, energy goes into everything we do. Right. When we are walking, you're using electricity because the shoe we are wearing has to be, was made with it and the replacement will be made with it. It's, it's essential for life. Yeah. Such an important commodity, with fossil fuel, costs have tended to be very high. On an average number basis across the world, for those of us who have energy, average cost of energy is something like, electricity is something like true cost, true cost, not subsidized. 12 cents plus or minus. We are talking about numbers that are now down at the two, three cents. So dramatic difference and the economic impact it's going to have. In that 12 cents of the fossil fuel price, 75% plus or minus is fuel cost, which oscillates every day depending on the market. Yeah. Renewable energy, good Lord doesn't charge us for the energy, it's free. It's capex heavy, opex light, so that number is fixed, it doesn't change. So the, the fact that we are able to deliver at a, such a low cost, at a fixed price, has a huge economic transformative impact. Then the climate change issue. This is, doesn't have carbon emissions, it doesn't have the greenhouse has yeah. gas emissions of that level. So it's massively impacting on the climate change agenda. And then the final one people also fail to understand, it's creating an entirely new industry. Right and a new opportunity. And it's very, it, it has the ability to be decentralized. Yeah. You can put panels on rooftops and suddenly widen access yeah. at a very affordable price. Yeah. Energy transition is hugely uh, exciting, it's hugely transformative, and it will have a profound impact over the next many decades to come. Yeah, I mean, Certain guarantees are being have been offered in the traditional power environment uh, so that you're able to uh, actually sustain that over a 15, 20, 25 year period. Are you getting those same? Uh, yes. So uh, right now, okay, so here is in this part of the world particularly, yeah. it is a very centralized, it's government controls of environment, regulated tariffs. Yeah. We don't have a market mechanism to trade electricity. Right. So therefore you need that sovereign support, yeah. which also in turn is for sure helping us yeah. to get cost of money as low as possible. That is driving some of these low cost prices. But the reality in our view is that if you are able to liberalize the market and allow market mechanism to also work on the retail side of it, we don't see an issue and we see that the costs are not going to dramatically change. Yeah. What is needed is that, but the problem is you can't transition by switching uh, with just one switch. Yeah. It's got to be done, inevitably it'll need to be done over a period of time. Countries are starting to look at it. Yeah. I am very convinced over the next two decades it'll happen. Mm -hmm. But it will be transitionary, um, but it'll happen. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to understand uh, the, the financial modeling. 
uh, as far as uh, power generation is concerned. And you said it is capital intensive, so you need a lot of leverage to be able to drive that. Yes. And you give the IRRs based upon the leverage, and that's the, yes. the, the game you play. Yes. Uh, which, which I totally get. Do you have enough of that kind of debt financing available in the market, or are you again sovereign supported? No. So, if just about everything we do is substantially privately financed. Right. Okay. It is not, there is very little sovereign money in it. Yeah. In fact, if there's any tiny bits of it here and there that comes through. Yeah. But so it is international financing, it's domestic financing, it's regional financing, it's from a wide so pool, uh, source of liquidity yeah. pools. Um, bank financing, um, uh, high net worth individuals coming through funds, um, uh, export credit agencies uh, uh, supporting exports. Um, so it, it, it's, it's a sort of variety of bonds and so on and so forth. Yeah. So there is an enormous amount of money out there, by the mm -hmm. way. There's a lot of discussion around, oh, but it's all capital intensive and we're going to need money and is there money in the world? There is a lot of money out there in the world <laughs> yeah. that is actually looking for reliable, stable investments. And everybody gets it. Power, desalinated yeah. water, basic ingredients. Yeah. So long as you deliver it at that, afford at that really low price, default is very unlikely. Yeah. What I'm thinking about is obsolescence risk. I'm thinking about uh, anticipating the rapid uh, decline of, uh, of costs based upon uh, technological changes yeah. and shifts. Yeah. And that is where potentially some of the risk would come in. Very smart. You're absolutely right. And that is the issue. So the issue is not obsolescence, well, cost coming down. Yeah. Okay. In terms of demand, the world is, look at what the world yeah, is, it's more. going electric. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the demand is continuing to go up. Yeah. And not only because everything is moving towards electricity, but also you've got the demographic change, yeah. the younger people coming up, particularly in this part of the world. Okay, in different parts of the world is a different story, right? But uh, in the markets that we operate in, uh, forget it, for the next 50, 30, 40 years, we yeah. see the trajectory. But you're absolutely right in terms of the way we use energy. Yeah the cost of producing energy in the future years. Okay, so this is another reason why we are so focused at keeping it absolutely down from day one, yeah. so that even as the costs come down over time, we will cross, but we will remain relevant and we are the last likely to be switched off. Yeah. Okay, but uh, th that's one part of it. And the other part of it is, don't think about 1,000 megawatt only. Yeah. This 1,000 megawatt will be in a system of 30,000 megawatt. Right. Okay. So on a on an averaged out basis, so long as you are cost competitive somewhat, uh, I, I think you become rounding so, error. So when I'm assessing uh, your company, perhaps as an analyst or as, or as a banker, what I need to be looking at is your ability to research, your ability to innovate, your ability to be open to change yes. and transformation. Yes. Uh, and you're working in a place like Saudi Arabia. How do those two things connect together and are you being able to attract the right quality of talent to be able to deliver that futuristic innovation piece? We're a company that's 14 years old. What I can tell you without any doubt whatsoever, uh, and it's not rocket science, and it's believable. To attract talent today is a piece of cake compared to what it was 14 years ago, okay? <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. But uh, look, it is still a challenge. But having said that, Saudi Arabia is going through a massive transformation in the, for, for all the right things to do. I'm, you know, we operate in so many countries now. Yeah. Uh, I'm exposed to so many different environments and from my previous life too. I haven't seen, and I'm not saying this because I, 
based out of Saudi Arabia or come out of Saudi Arabia, but I really see it. I haven't seen a government that is doing so many of the right things. Yes, they don't get it all right, but they're doing so many of the right things at the same time and resetting the agenda yeah. and, uh, and grasping the opportunities. It's very much up to now the private sector to follow through yeah. and embrace that opportunity and not be frightened and run away yeah. uh, and profit from it and deliver the value. But so we are seeing it. So I think all of the questions that you said as an analyst that you will be analyzing us with, yeah. As a professional analyst and a clever analyst, yeah. I'm sure you will also, when you do the research, you will recognize it. Yeah. I'm not an analyst, I mean, I'm just... But uh, you point out, uh, the, but you hit the right questions. And, yeah. and each one of those, when you dig into it, you will find that there is substantive validity in ticking the box on all of them. Yeah. Because the environment is changed. We, we've discussed the big infrastructural projects, and I, I, I get that. Uh, how about now decentralizing it and getting it out there, number one, and then going deeper and saying further decentralizing it and getting into little villages and stuff like that with a little solar panel. Where are you on that? No, no, no. Okay, so where, where are we on that? Well, right now, the business model is still evolving for that. But because it's only just in the last maybe three years, four years, that, that individual solar panel and a reliable battery has actually come about at an affordable level. So, so you up to now, what has happened is you've got the charitable foundations, you've got small business, small entrepreneurs yeah. who've gone out into uh, India, Africa, Latin America, uh, to villages and started to create a business model around uh, putting it on top of roofs and leasing it and collecting it and pay-as-you-go kind of payments and so on. So there's a lot of innovation that is going on into um, that type of delivery model and the business models but it's always so far been very disaggregated and in small scale. Yeah. For somebody like us to get involved, and, and we would like to, we need to develop business models that can deliver it at scale, because I think and more value can be created to our customers by aggregating. So in time to come, I think that'll happen. But that is one of the transformative impact of this revolution. So we now have, the two billion people out there who don't have access to electricity, there's a real possibility that they can have access at a very affordable level, at a very domestic level, in the middle of nowhere. Because we don't need this massive central power plants and long distance transmission distribution network. We can put it on their rooftops right. and at, at a really, really cheap price. And, and that, for me, also is the other. So at this point, does it mean it's cannibalizing our business? Not at all. I think we will still continue to, as the industries grow, as economies grow, we'll still continue to, at the central places, need the power. But, but what's exciting also is that you're not going to leave these people behind. And from a sort of health, wealth, and happiness of nations, inclusive development, bringing these people along at their places of location will also have a lot of benefit. Also, I think, as time to come, now that we have solved the connectivity problem, everybody has got a mobile phone, even in the villages. Now we're able to charge those mobile phones and they can read and uh, educate themselves at night with right. lights right. and cook and so on. The only last piece that we need to solve is find a way of giving them access to clean water without them having to walk eight kilometers yes. uh, to collect dirty water. Yeah. I am very convinced also over time, urbanization patterns will change yes. and the pressure on urban centers yeah. will start to become less. And so it's an exciting future as we go forward.
Yeah, I mean, there are two parts to uh, uh, the way forward questions, in, uh, in my opinion. One of them is obviously, I mean, our company is called MAD, which is about making a difference. And I see you making a difference uh, in the lives of people by socializing it and by bringing about sustainability and looking after the climate. It's wonderful how all of this uh, is coming together. One of my key questions, and it's a very personal question, uh, what keeps you up at night? Uh, what do you worry about? Because in these times of absolute transformational change and, and, and with the Moore's Law curve going there, you can be hit from anywhere with zero cost uh, electricity and stuff like that. What do you worry about the most and how do you figure no, that out? So, good question and it is none of that. Um, <laughs> but what is very concerned, so there is something that I really am very worried about. Um, funny enough, it's also a huge opportunity. Okay, so part of what is driving the cost down, part of what is allowing us to deliver at such a competitive value is technology, the connectivity, the uh, big data, the amount of data that we are able to collect out of our machines, that we are able to analyze with cheap computing power and artificial intelligence, um, continuing to drive, improve yields of power plants, reduce cost, all of this is fantastic. It's that same thing that I'm very worried about I'm very worried about cybersecurity. Okay, we look Aquapower. We are running power plants that deliver 30, 40 percent of country's electricity. Right. Many percent of country's water. Yeah. Uh, these are big units. Yeah. yeah. Um, we work very hard to ensure that we remain secure, mm -hmm. isolated. Firewalls after firewalls, no wireline connections. But unfortunately, there is a community out there who are spending all their brain power yeah. in trying to figure out how to break in. So, so cyber security is the only thing, the only thing. So at the moment me. you're saying cyber security is, is your risk. Uh, where is the risk in terms of disruption through innovation? I'm very confident, yeah. just like we have been disrupting, yeah. just like we have been driving change, yeah. we will continue to stay on top of it and we will continue to evolve. And so today I have got a platform of $35 billion. Within the next five years, we expect to double that. Right. Okay. Within another five years, we expect to qu uh, quadruple, quad yeah. Yeah, so quadruple that. Mm -hmm. so, so my $35 billion, which is at a particular price, yeah. will be within the context of uh, $200 billion. Right. So it's a small percentage. Yeah. So I and we will continue to innovate. All that new stuff that I do will obviously be using new technology, the so-called disrupted technology. Yeah. And so this, so this doesn't really. So, so it's not a, such a concerning factor. Uh, uh, so long as we are nimble. Yeah. So long as yeah. we don't resist change. Correct. So those are the people who need to worry about it. Yeah. We're we're, we're very fortunate. Yeah. Okay. We're not so clever, but we're very fortunate. We were born recently as a yeah. company, yeah. so in the modern age, yeah. uh, we were born with disruption, disruptive mindset. Right. Look, in this part of the world, we are coming from a part of the world which was merchant families, buying and selling, margin setting, influence peddling. We started out wanting to be fully capacitated. Yeah. We wanted out with the thinking that we need to make a profit by taking a risk and managing the risk. Yeah. So, there in itself, we were already part of the new economy. We were already part of the new thinking. And you're a 21st century company, company. therefore you were built on different set of rules. Correct. Yeah. It's yeah. Simple. Yeah, yeah, that is the right thing. Yeah. So, look, I don't want to be overconfident, but I think we come with a, that different mindset. So I, I think there is a reasonable chance that we will continue to roll forward. 
May I put you in a time machine uh, and project you forward yes. to your 100th birthday? And okay. And we're celebrating your 100th birthday today. And you're looking back, and you're a young man, so you look back um, in 40, I'm 50 61 years. 61 years old, but you're carry on. Very young. 61 is, is the new 41. But that's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, absolutely right. Yeah. Yes, go on. Uh, but as you look back, what has Paddy achieved? What has Paddy set for the world to benefit from? How have you changed the world? How have you made a difference? Look, I, 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 I've had a wonderful life. I've had a privileged life of uh, uh, being part of some wonderful companies and done a lot of infrastructure development in many countries. I've had the benefit of living and working in, actually living in a dozen countries. Um, and working in another 2030. So all of that has been wonderful. But the one thing that I'm so delighted that I've had the opportunity to do is to participate in this energy revolution, is to uh, contribute in some way towards uh, propagating it and accelerating it. That, that's, that's the main thing, I think. That's one big thing I hope uh, I have contributed towards achieving. The other big thing I think I hope I have contributed towards is also showing that, look, a, a region like Middle East that has got so much of history, rich history, uh, culture, and so on and so forth, but yet is so ignored, um, so left behind in terms of um, uh, capacity to innovate, capacity to build, capacity to grow from, grow out. Well, I'm so proud to be part of a company that has been born in the Middle East, mm -hmm. that has gone from the Middle East beyond. Uh, participating in its own terms, delivering value, not just taking money yeah. and investing, but really making a difference by setting new price uh, levels, delivering real economic value and impactful value. So when we write your epitaph, we'll be saying, uh, Paddy, the energy activist to help to make a difference and change the world. Well, that's very generous of you, but thank you very much. That's what I would very much hope. Thank you. Super. Thank you very much. My sir. pleasure. Great that was pleasure. great. Thank you. Appreciate it. I really enjoyed it. Thank that you. That was good.